Are you ready to take your business to the next level? Every day there are countless books and articles that are published offering the key on how to make your business a success. It's easy to feel overwhelmed trying to keep up and run your business. That's why Deb Creer created the Business Power Hour. Keep up on the latest trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. Let the Business Power Hour do the heavy work for you. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today, as we are hopefully maybe kind of sort of coming out of all of this coronavirus pandemic um, stuff, we record this program in advance, and so we always have to, you know, we're not quite sure what's happening when this program goes live, but what's, what's going to be fun about this is we're talking with a person about HR and software that is needed and how to hire and all sorts of things, which are some topics that have really come up recently. And so this is going to be so much fun. So please join me in welcoming Phil Strazula to our program today. Welcome, Phil. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation. Great. Well, let me tell people just a little bit about you. So Phil Strazula is the founder of Select Software Reviews, a website dedicated to helping HR find and buy the right software through free expert advice. Phil started his career working in venture capital before attending uh, that little school called Harvard for he went to Harvard, Harvard Business School for his MBA. Phil is a self-taught programmer who is currently on his second company. So again, Phil, welcome. Thanks. Thank you so much. Well, you know, it's, it's, I always ask people, how did you get to where you are today? And how did you decide that for at least right now, this is your passion in life? Yeah, uh, it's, it's an interesting question. And I guess you can sort of talk about the immediate step before taking mm-hmm. whatever path you're on right now. Mm-hmm. I always actually think back to like when I was a kid, um, I started getting interested in the stock market when I was in like fourth grade. Wow. It was, I think like 1995, mm-hmm. Netscape had just gone public. The mm-hmm. sort of first tech boom had just started and everybody was just sort of talking about the stock market. Like, you know, I'd be playing like basketball in our driveway and like the local parents would be like talking about stocks. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is this thing? You know? Yeah. And, yeah, I just kind of got interested in it. Um, and, and I think especially because I, I started realizing that this was probably a much better way to make money than mowing lawns, which right, was what right. I was doing mm-hmm. at the time. You know, mm-hmm. and you spend, I don't know, three or four hours mowing a lawn and you get like 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. like, but if you bought stock, you might get 15. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You didn't really have to do much, right? Like all you needed was money and right. then that money would like get you more money. It's, it's sort of like that guy on Shark Tank, Mr. Wonderful, and he's like, mm-hmm. I've got my like, money soldiers or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. like these wars and they get more money. And, right. and I, was, I was sort of intrigued with that concept. And so after like a year and a half, two years, um, my brother and I sort of convinced my parents to let us tr- start trading stocks. And wow. so my mom took us to the local Fidelity branch. Mm-hmm. We opened up accounts. He's a year younger than me. Mm-hmm. And we just sort of started like reading Worth Magazine for stock tips, um, investing in the stock market. And we had a pretty good run up mm-hmm. and through 
90s, we were sort of smart enough to listen to Warren Buffett and Alan Green mm-hmm. in 99, 2000 and got, you know, to cash. So we didn't kind of mm-hmm. suffer that downturn. Uh, and, and I sort of fell in love. Like I, I love finance even today. I, I still do investing. And at that point, I, I always thought I wanted to be like a, you know, a stockbroker mm-hmm. or whatever, right? Like mm-hmm. I didn't really understand like what the career mm-hmm. paths were at that point. Um, but then in college, I interned at a two-person startup in New York. I was mm-hmm. going to NYU for undergrad, studying business, studying finance, because mm-hmm. that was my interest. Um, worked for this two-person company, had a lot of autonomy, a lot of impact, and I just loved that. So I, I actually kind of changed my trajectory and, and mm-hmm. said, you know what? One day I'd love to start my own business. And mm-hmm. I don't really know what that'll look like or how to do that, mm-hmm. but I to start my own business. And so after college, I, I took a couple of jobs that I thought would help me kind of build a skill set mm-hmm. um, and a network to mm-hmm. eventually do that. Most notably working um, in the venture capital industry doing early stage software mm-hmm. investing. Went to business school, finally had the guts to actually start something. Um, did the whole teach yourself how to program thing because I thought that was an essential skill mm-hmm. to start a business started something in the HR space, eventually got it to a point where I hired somebody to become a general manager for that Mm -hmm. business. Mm -hmm. And so a year and a half ago, I I had a lot of extra time. I still had the startup bug. Um, I think it's, you know, anybody out there who's ever started a business sort of knows it's like this, you know, thing. Yeah. Once you do it, you're like, Ooh, have to do it again. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like a drug or something, Mm -hmm. you know, you're just like driven to it, even though it's so irrational. If you think about your other sort of career opportunities. Mm -hmm. Um, but I wanted to start another business and I, I really love to learn. I love to teach mm-hmm. and a gap in the market that I saw is that most HR teams, you know, buying tools and software is a very small part of what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they don't usually get very good at it. Mm-hmm. There aren't very good online resources for understanding what are the best vendors, mm-hmm. how to buy it, et cetera. And so, you know what, I'm going to set out to be sort of that trusted resource cool. to help people kind of like mm-hmm. a consumer reports mm-hmm. for HR software. Mm-hmm. So that's my very long-winded answer to how I got to where I am today. I love it. Yeah, and you're one of those dreaded millennials, which you know it's it's yeah. so funny. I it, the, now obviously when I talk to millennials, I'm talking to them on this program, so they are you know. But I I love millennials. You know, they are for the most part driven. You know, as you said, you started early with this passion. Um, I mean, you know, how many other kids are in sixth grade and are thinking, well, hey, I should buy stock. Um, you know, and, and, and I, you know, that's one of the really fun things. And, and I love talking to millennials because you guys, and you know, I'm not a millennial. I'm far from a millennial. You know what you want and you go and you do it. Our generation talks ourselves out of it. You know, and, and, um, or we think, well, that's not practical. We shouldn't do that. You know, we should work for someone else. Or, you know, if we started a business, we need to see it through, you know, all these various things. And, and so I love talking with millennials, partially because I suppose I'm jealous. (laughs) Yeah, I I think it's a cool generation. Like we sort of have a little bit of context of like the pre-internet world, Mm -hmm. um, but we more or less grew up with technology. And so Mm -hmm. we have you know, that whole facility. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and I think you're right to a large extent. I I look at a lot of my friends, my peers relative to their parents. And I'm actually thinking about this more and more now that we're sort of quarantined. And a lot of folks Mm -hmm. have like moved 
to the suburbs, to their mm-hmm. parents' houses. You know, right. a lot of my friends live in cities mm-hmm. and it's just safer and, and more space. Mm-hmm. It's a better mm-hmm. place to be quarantined. Mm-hmm. And it, it's sort of interesting to think about where those parents who for the most part are fairly successful were mm-hmm. when they were in their mid thirties. Right. I think probably most of my friends are on a more accelerated track. Mm-hmm. And, and I think in part that's because the world has shifted and, and right. allowed people to take more accelerated mm-hmm tracks in their careers. There's more of a meritocracy in a lot of companies, mm-hmm. especially technology businesses. Um, but I think a lot of it too is just seeing the example set by the previous generation mm-hmm. and saying, you know what, let's try to do better. Right. Well, and <clears throat> I think a lot of times what we see is that, you know, you see, you as millennials see a need for something and you think, well, let's do it. Yeah. You create your own companies. You know, I see a need and I'm like, okay, who can I get to do that for me? Or, you know, maybe it's not even a need. Yeah, you know, eh, nobody needed it before. Who cares? You know, you see, you go, know, what? Hey, we might as well do this. And, you know, and, and, and a big part of it is fearless. You're like, okay, we'll do it. If it doesn't work out, doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, I, I love that. Um, and, and as you said, you saw this need for this company. And as I was researching your company, it was interesting because I know this much, basically, about HR. Yeah. Um, now, and and I, I, I actually know a little bit more, but not an awful lot more because as a, a solopreneur, I don't have employees. Now, I do have a virtual assistant, um, but then when I worked for corporations, somebody else handled that for me. You know, even if I was hiring for my department, there was still the HR people who did things and, and all of those things. And so I never really worried about any of this. And so when I was, I was, I was, you know, my first thought was, wait a minute, there's software to do this. I mean, that really was one of my, and then when I looked through your website, which is selectsoftwarereviews.com, um, there's what, 20 at least categories of software that you review. And so that just totally perplexed me. Um, because again, I was thinking there's software to do this. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I'm, I'm glad to hear when you worked for larger companies, the HR team was doing their job and you didn't have to worry too much about it. That's always a good thing. Um, there, there is, yeah, there's software for, we right now have 20 categories mm-hmm. and probably by the end of the year, we'll have closer to 50. Mm-hmm. There's software to do every little thing right. with HR that you could think of. So mm-hmm. there's how do you get in touch with people? Mm-hmm. Like how do you like reach out to that software engineer, right. mm-hmm. that you know future VP of marketing or whatever the case mm-hmm. may be? There's probably you know seventy or eighty companies that will just help you with that little piece of it. Mm-hmm. There's then how do you take in their application? That's this applicant tracking system, mm-hmm. which is sort of like one of the core layers. There is how do you vet that application? Mm-hmm. So you send somebody a test and that could be a video interview, which mm-hmm. is you know, really big in the days of COVID-19. Um, that's actually exploded. Like the interest mm-hmm. in video interviewing right. is like eight or nine X on our site. Mm-hmm. Really incredible. Um, so, you know, there's, there's personality assessments, there's technical assessments. If you're a programmer or a data scientist, um, there's onboarding, there's, your payroll, there's your benefits, mm-hmm. there's employee engagement, there's offboarding, there's out, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you name it. And there's, there's so many different niches even within that, right? Like if right. you want to reach out to just diversity mm-hmm. candidates um, or whatever the case mm-hmm. may be, 
So it's really complex. And then within each of these categories, you literally have hundreds and hundreds of vendors. So right. this applicant tracking system thing I just mentioned, mm -hmm. there's probably four or 500 companies wow. that provide mm -hmm. an applicant tracking system. Mm -hmm. And some of them are really big, like Oracle, and some of them are really small, like some company you've never heard of in Israel. Um, and there's a select few that are actually really good. Mm -hmm. And then there's a bunch of others that are good at marketing and, and good at selling. And right. then there's a lot of really terrible mm -hmm. solutions out there as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's a complex landscape, and, and that's what we spend all day doing, just trying to understand how do we take 400 and make it into a short list mm -hmm. so that somebody who is only spending 5% of their time to get a new ATS because you know they're dealing with employee relations issues, right. outplacements, hiring, whatever, um, they can focus on all that stuff that they need to get done and still do a really good job on buying the right mm -hmm. software. Right. You know, and you mentioned tracking. I mean, you know, that's, that is huge because I've, I've always been on the other end of it. You know, the, the submit your resume and mm. pray type of yeah. thing. Um, you know, and, and, and I remember when I worked for a big company and I was hiring, you know, I had certain people that I brought through and I made notes. I mean, I made handwritten notes and this was not that long ago. I mean, I, there was probably software I could have been using. But, you know, finally get it down to, okay, I want to make an offer to this person. And I, you know, talk with the HR folks and all of that. But then I, I remember asking them, well, now what? What about those people that either, A, we didn't even talk to. You know, we just sent the thank you so much for submitting your, your you know. But more importantly, what about the people that we brought in? Mm. And they looked at me and they went, well, that's your responsibility. And I, you know, and, and what had happened was I had one of those people who contacted me and said, you know, I interviewed with you several weeks ago and haven't heard anything. Right. And to me, that was absolutely mortifying, you know, and, and I didn't care whose responsibility it was, but it needed to be done. You know, when, when someone is looking for a job and now of course it's, it's, you know, we're going to see things just turn into, you know, all, all sorts of, of situations you know, because yeah. there's going to be so many people who are, are looking for new jobs. You know, when, when you're in that position of applying for jobs and you don't know what the status is, I mean, you know, one of the first things that we're always told is don't contact them. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, just the fact that there is software that can track all of that and say, okay, Phil submitted his resume on X date. We talked to him on X date and, and, you know, and, and I'm sure there's lots more complication in there. Like one of the things I tell people is, you know, many times your first interview is someone looks you up online. You know, they mm -hmm. want to see your LinkedIn profile, all those things. So, okay. So that checkbox is, is marked off, you know? And so then it goes through all these things and then it gets down to, okay, Phil was not made the offer, but we need to let Phil know you know, that we know that, or Phil was made the offer and, and now what, and you know, long gone are the days when we should be just, you know, writing it on pieces of paper. And so I love that your company helps with that because as you mentioned, this is not it typically, you know, unless you are a really big company, it's not a hundred percent of what you do. It's only a small portion. And so to be able to just use the technology that's out there when you need it, is great without having to go through the 400 different vendors to figure out what you need. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of interesting. Like one of the things that we try to do in addition to giving you a short list and, you know, what are the questions you should ask on demos and stuff like that mm -hmm. is our best practices right. 
to help you be successful with the software mm-hmm. because it, what you're describing is what I call like the resume black hole, mm-hmm. which is like right. for a job, you never hear back, or maybe you can go for an interview and you never hear back, or maybe right. like seven they cared enough to bring you in and you don't hear anything. Yeah. And, it, and it's an unfortunate mm-hmm. sort of like very common trait of humans where if somebody wants something from you and you've got lots of people that want something from you, mm-hmm. you sort of like start to dehumanize those people. Right. Mm-hmm. And anybody who mm-hmm. has worked in sales has felt this where, you know, if you work in sales, like people don't show up for your sales mm-hmm. calls and they don't give you heads up. They, they basically treat you like a less than a person. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we have historically done that to people seeking jobs as well. Um, the last 10 year bull market has changed that a little bit because it, unemployment was so low. And so we saw more companies. Yeah, the the, the, the uh, applicants kind of had the upper hand. They did, especially, you know, if you had a program or you knew how to sell or, mm-hmm. you know, you had some sort of skill set or interesting degree or whatever, you really were in control. Mm-hmm. And obviously that's going to shift now, um, but it's, it's really unfortunate. And, you know, there's economic reasons to be good to people. Mm-hmm. Virgin uh, actually did this whole study where they found that of the people who applied for jobs at their company, something like 18% said they would never be a customer of Virgin again, Ooh. which is a huge number right. of people. And Especially so they, if then they go on to Twitter and Facebook and all those places and say, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And, and so they, they sort of calculated this was costing them like 10 million pounds of revenue a year or something mm-hmm. like that. That was probably conservative because to your point, somebody goes on Twitter and all of a sudden that one person becomes a thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there's, there's an economic reason to treat people the right way if you need it. But hopefully the reason enough is just that have some empathy and and remember when you were in that situation. And so, you know, to sort of close the loop on this, like there's, there's the system and then you got to use the system appropriately. Mm -hmm. And even some of the largest companies that have people dedicated to this, like Mm -hmm. they're not sending people, they're not closing the loop on candidates. They're not being like, Hey, we rejected you. And like, here are some resources. If you're still Mm -hmm. looking for a job or or whatever the case may be, they're just like driving people insane Mm -hmm. with, no answer with the, with the ghost, you know? Well, and that is, is probably one of the hardest things to say, we didn't love you. you know, and, and because, you know, more than likely, then somebody comes back and says, why not? You know, and there's, is there some, implications too. there's right. a compliance thing. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody's a protected class. You're opening right. yourself up to lawsuits. Oh yeah. I mean, you have to be so careful. You know, you can't say, huh, gee, you know, I didn't hire you because you're over 65. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Over 40. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so and, it, and, it is challenging. And also we don't, we, there, it's easy to avoid that email, right? Mm-hmm. Like right. nobody wants to be like, Hey, we're not hiring you. And they definitely don't want to tell you why, because right it just seems like you're being a jerk. Mm-hmm. Um, but if done in the right way, like some companies do it in the right way mm-hmm. and that's amazing, you know, and, and those are the best in class companies. Right. Well, and in many cases, they can't exactly tell you why, because it could be a reason that they can't disclose. You know, it, yeah. it could be that they thought, okay, you know, this person is too old or, oh my gosh, we saw something on Facebook with them that we don't want to get anywhere near. Right. Or, you know, all sorts of things. You know, it could be that they, they don't have the, you know, the, the correct education level. I mean, all sorts of things like that, 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 yeah, you cannot say. 
So, you know, it's, they fall back on the, you know, there was a better candidate. You weren't quite the right fit, mm-hmm. all of those things. And, but, you know, at least hearing something is better than nothing because as until you hear you're not hired, you've got that little nugget of hope. Yeah. And it just sort of, it takes up headspace where you could be going off and doing other things. Right. And so, and it's also, it, it's just viewed as being very rude, right? At the common right. courtesy. And, you know, I, I think recruiting like sales is mm-hmm. actually a lot like dating and, you know, there's all this like sort of like ghosting behavior on online mm-hmm. dating. That there's been many articles written about it and how it sort of drives people crazy. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's the same exact dynamic. And so I think HR teams, mm-hmm. um, you know, even within their amazingly busy schedules that are about to get more busy, especially as, you know, they're viewed as more or less cost centers and so are always under-resourced, they, they have to put in the extra effort because it's, it's people, you know, it's people's lives that are mm-hmm. sort of on the line. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and of course, it's the people who don't do this full-time as, as their jobs who need companies like yours, you know, because they, they don't know, you know, we don't know what we don't know. Um, you know, and, and, you know, and, and, you know, as, you know, as we're coming out of the pandemic, you know, whether we're still in it or not at this point in time, when this airs, we're going to be staffing up and staffing down. Mm. It's just the way it's, it's going to be, um, you know, and, and there's going to be so many changes that are coming about because of this, that, you know, it's, you know, especially say you're a small company where you've got 10 employees, you don't have an HR person, you know, you are the owner and the HR person and, you know, the chief bottle washer and all of those things. So to, to have a resource like yours to go through and go, okay, well, now what the heck do I do is going to be invaluable. Yeah, that, that's what we hope. And, you know, we see it, there's basically two ways that I sort of get feedback on what we're doing. One is through looking at Google analytics and we can see, you know, people spend, what are people looking at? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are they looking at? How long are they spending on the site? Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. And then the other amazing thing, and it it doesn't happen as much as maybe it should. And we need to like have allow people to do this, but you know, people will give us a shout out on social or they'll Mm -hmm. send us a note and it's just really amazing because we're trying to help people to avoid a lot of the software costs mm-hmm. 100,000 or a million dollars right. a year mm-hmm. and if you're a larger company a smaller company it's 10 grand but it's right. still you know the same it's still a lot mm-hmm. of money for you and so we're helping people sort of like circumvent making bad decisions there and hopefully utilizing it in the best way possible as well um, and and so that means a lot to us and and also the, the implication for what it means for the employees lives as well right you know and uh, as we've mentioned you know we're we're doing this we're recording this as we are in lockdown yeah. um you know as we're as we've been quarantined as, as many companies have been told you need to work from home which from an hr landscape has completely and totally changed things you know you have people who uh, who have never worked from home you know, and so what the heck do you do with those people? You know, do they even have the right resources to work from home? You know, then you have the people who are told, no, no, you still have to come in, but their mm-hmm. kids are home, you know, yeah. and, and so what do you do with those? And, and so I would imagine that you've been really busy. Yeah, um, been busy from a couple of different perspectives. Mm-hmm. One is trying to help people understand mm-hmm. how do we 
do this right? Like, how do we have a distributed workforce? Mm -hmm. What are the tools and technologies we can use? And beyond that, what what are sort of the underlying philosophies? Mm -hmm. I sat down with uh, this woman, uh, Becca, and I'm going to quote her. I've got her blog post open right here in front of me. Oh, all right. (laughs) So so Becca, who runs People Operations at Help Scout, which is this company that has scaled from, I think, like 10 people to 100 over the last couple of years as as she's been leading HR. And it's a fully Mm -hmm. remote team. And we, we had originally talked like a year and a half ago and mm-hmm. she's just really smart and, and has thought a lot about how do we create a great culture mm-hmm. for a distributed workforce across the globe. Uh, and so we kind of reconnected a week or two ago and we wrote up um, all those best practices on our blog. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, there's, there's tools, there's tactics, et cetera. But I think the, the interesting sort of underlying philosophy is that the best practices for running a distributed team are the same exact best practices for a co-located mm-hmm. office. Mm-hmm. It's just that it, it it takes a little bit more intention and effort mm-hmm. because you're not face to face, you're not having all that visual communication, the ad hoc uh, communication, mm-hmm. and so when you send somebody an email, you gotta like put an emoji in that email, and when you are uh, away from Slack and you're not gonna respond, mm-hmm. you gotta make sure that people know when you are going to be away and when you right. will respond because. Otherwise, there can be a lot of sort of strife. Um, there's, there's also, you know, it has to be more intention about team building and making sure people get together in sort of like non-work settings, mm-hmm. quote unquote, right? Like mostly over Zoom mm-hmm. um, and these sort of virtual coffee chats. And so I think that's one of the most interesting sort of learnings for me is there's lots of tools and tactics. Um, there's lots of great companies that have written up their full playbook Mm-hmm. But really, it's that underlying philosophy that drives the whole thing. And, and if you have that, you can sort of manage the corner cases that you are bound to run into on a right. day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's funny. I've been talking with my friends about this situation. And many of us have said, you know, that, that remote work, you know, working from home, even after all of this is done, is is probably going to increase. There's going to be a lot of companies who are going to go, well, you know, we might not need this 10,000 square foot office, you know, as long as we're providing equipment for people to be home, you know, not expecting them to have laptops, all those various things, you know, if we're providing it, it, you know, and, and, and we have the ability to either have them come together remotely, say on Zoom, or, you know, we've got a conference room, you know, all those various things. We're thinking that more and more companies are going to decide, you know, work from home, work remotely situations might be a better way to go. Yeah. And I think I'm a bit of a contrarian on this and potentially because I I like to be a contrarian in Mm -hmm. general, but I think what might actually happen is it sets work from home back a little bit because Mm -hmm. if you think about it, all these people are all of a sudden working from home, but there was no infrastructure. There was right. no guidebook. Yeah, because it was you're working from home tomorrow. Exactly. There's no child care plan. And all of a sudden, you know, most people's child care plan school right. is out, right? right. Yeah. So, kid, kid is now right there next to him. <laughs> exactly. And so I think that probably there's going to be a lot of miscommunication. There's going to be a lot of strife. There's going to be a lot of sort of like negativity in the brains of the people that mm-hmm. eventually make this decision going mm-hmm. forward when we, when we can all go back to work. And, and also what you're seeing um, when I talk to people that run companies is that people are not as productive right now at right. home. Mm-hmm. And 
I think that's interesting because look, I, I work from home 90% of the time. Mm-hmm. We have an office. I just don't go into it uh, because I can be three X more productive mm-hmm. at home and I can also enjoy it more, right? Like I can go do yoga at 12 o'clock mm-hmm. in the afternoon. I can, you know, get up. You can and do walk. interviews. <laughs> I can do interviews. You know, I can do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I can work for three hours straight uninterrupted. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, it's like, you know, working like a week, basically like that's mm-hmm. when you get done. And so for me, like I love working from home, but if I had never done it before and tomorrow someone's like, Hey, Phil, you're going to work from home. You get mm-hmm. two small kids at home. Like I wouldn't get anything done. And I right. think that's happening mm-hmm. to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people also are stressed out because mm-hmm of everything that's happening. They're watching their stock portfolio. They're looking at the news. For, there's, what do they say? It's a 101K now? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's it's kind of crazy. And, and there's probably a lot more strife to come. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I think that's also contributing to a lack of productivity. Mm-hmm. And if that is sort of the trend and it's not course corrected over the next couple months, when we all come back, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are just going to think work from home is bad. Like that's mm-hmm. all I remember right. is like yeah. it's a mm-hmm. disaster mm-hmm. and we don't want to mm-hmm. um, go back to that. Mm-hmm. That so that's my sort of contrarian view mm-hmm. of all of this. And and maybe I'm wrong. Well, you know, and and I think a big part of it was the fact that it was immediate. You know, nobody had really any notice. Totally. And you know, and and having kids at home for many people, you know, or if not, you know, a kid, a, a spouse, um, you know, all of these various things, we didn't know what to do, you know, and and of course the big thing was there was not there was not time for communication, so there wasn't time to tell people, okay, we're still going to require that you are at your computer from X time to X time. Um, you know, and, and of course part of the, 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 the thing is now people are, are more flexible. You know, they're figuring out, well, Hey, you know, I can, I can get a lot more work done between 9 PM and midnight kids mm. are asleep. I'm, you know, and, 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 you know, and, and I've talked about that with other guests on the program that, you know, just working with people in general, we're having to figure things like that out. How do we communicate? You know, some people like text, some people like email messages, some people you get still got to pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're, we're working through those things, but you know, it's, it, it, I think some that there, and, and of course there are people and, you know, companies and, and things like that, where they are going to do better when they are in that office environment for whatever yeah. reason, um, you know, they, you know, I, they, they need that structure. They need, um, that, that feedback, you know, depending on what you're doing, it's, you know, Microsoft Teams, you know, Zoom, all, yeah, those are great, but it's very different than talking to the person in the cubicle beside you, um, you know, or being able to get up and walk in and, and, and run something past your boss. And so it, I think it's going to be interesting when things have calmed down. And, and it, my assumption is it is going to take a while for things to calm down and for people to, to really figure out, okay, this is our new normal, but it'll be interesting to see what happens. And, and, but I think a big part of that is, you know, there's, there will be new rules. You know, there's, there's obviously going to have to be new HR rules, you know, regulations. And, and I'm, I'm meaning that as in, you know, a part-time worker may now be defined differently because they can work differently, um, you know, or a full-time worker. And, and of course that's, you know, that's a state and that's federal, you know, and, and all of those various things. So it's, it's, I think it's going to be very interesting. Yeah. 
I do too. Um, and actually, as I warned you, I might, I, I'm, I'm going to put my standing desk down here. I know. See, that's um, the thing. That we way. work from home. And so we have standing desks and we have, we have, uh, work, you know, we have a, a seated desk. And I was sharing with you that I have a standing desk that I never used. Um, right. you know, and, and, but, and of course we have those things in our, um, uh, you know, our, if we have a, a physical office that we're going to, but that can also be something that, you know, you know, if somebody works from home, uh, you know, we, we've talked about, you know, are you going to provide a computer for them? Mm. Probably. I mean, you know, if you need them to be on a computer, you darn well better provide them with that. But, you know, what about office equipment? You know, a, a desk, a printer, mm. um, you know, uh, Wi-Fi. That's been one of the things that I have heard people complain about is they said, you know, this is great. We, we thought we had really good technology until we had three kids and two adults on our Wi-Fi all the time. And, you know, and, and, or, and just not having the right equipment. Um, you know, they, they didn't have desks, um, you know, or they had a home office, but it really wasn't set up. To, to be functioning like that. So, you know, it, that's going to be something that companies are going, you know, if, if they decide, hey, you know, it is going to work to have people working from home, they're going to have to come to those decisions and then be lost as to what the heck do they do, you know, and, and so that's where companies like yours um, comes in because, you know, you're, you're able to go through and, and the software, you know, is going to say, okay, you need to provide X number of dollars of equipment so that it's fair, um, you know, and then all of these various things. So I think it's, it's probably, it's going to be very interesting for you the next probably year or so as, as things shake down. Yeah. I, I think, uh, our, our business has changed a lot in the last month and a half. Mm -hmm. And we're very fortunate in that, like certain parts of it have gotten decimated and mm -hmm. certain parts of it have grown tremendously. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it, you know, wasn't planned at all. Obviously, right. you know, all of this stuff is pure luck mm -hmm. at this point. Nobody saw this thing coming. Um, but there, there are a lot of changes and, you know, it, it really depends on your organization, what sort of budget you have, how much is a productive employee worth to you? Right. And therefore, you know, how much are you willing to, to give out in budget? Uh, a couple of friends of mine are already at this point, and we're kind of recording this in early April, have um, basically said like, look, my, my company gave me a thousand bucks, like set up a home office. And, and those are people that make a couple hundred thousand bucks a year. Right. And, and they're, you know, the value to the company is probably four or five X mm -hmm. what they get paid. And so it makes total sense. Like whatever we can do to like make you happy, mm -hmm. let's just do that. Right. Um, and, and we don't want you determining at this point in time, there's something else you could be doing. Right, exactly. Or or struggling, you know, being ten percent less productive because, like, right. yeah, ten percent can cost companies millions in some cases. Easily, yeah, without a doubt. Um, what's interesting, just you know, going back to this Becca at at Help Scout, what they do is they give everybody a stipend. So uh -huh. they give, I think, I think it's like five hundred bucks a month, mm -hmm. and you can use it to get like a WeWork. Uh, subscription in your local city, you can use mm -hmm. this, set up your home office, like whatever you want to do with it. Mm -hmm. And actually a pretty small percentage of people actually use the money. Mm -hmm. um, so what they do is they, they take all of the extra money at the end of the year mm -hmm. and they throw a huge party. They fly okay. everybody in, you know, oh, they do like, that. like amazing mm -hmm. international locations because mm -hmm. their team is all over the place. Mm -hmm. and so you can imagine a world where, and, well, money's going to be tight over the 
at least the short term, hopefully right. not the long term. But y- you can imagine a system where you're sort of like making the right incentives so mm-hmm. that somebody's not just going to go buy like a PlayStation mm-hmm. with this uh, stipend. Right. <laughs> yeah, um, we need receipts. <laughs> we need receipts. Yeah, we, we need receipts first of all, mm-hmm. uh, and second of all, like maybe there there's a certain amount of budget for a team of ten people, mm-hmm. and everybody sort of hold. It's sort of like that village, like holding themselves accountable. Mm-hmm. That microfinance uh, sort of dynamic, and you're using the extra money to do something cool when everybody can go meet up again. So. Right. Yeah, but it but it is it's a constantly evolving landscape. You know, even something so simple like your I nine form when you mm-hmm. start a new job right. usually has mm-hmm. to be done in person. And so I've seen like I don't know thirty HR people post on social media in the last two weeks like, hey, how do we do these virtually? How do we get them notarized, right. etc. Yeah. So, it, when when is an e an e signature not enough? Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and so all of these little things, like it's just an evolving world that we haven't figured it out yet, mm-hmm. but it's sort of a, an interesting uh, fire drill that I think will lead to a lot of innovation mm-hmm. and right. probably changes in the way that we work for the better. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and one of the things that had started before this that now I think is probably really going to, to, to expand a lot is having people in different states and more importantly, different countries you know, and, and so you're hiring a, an, an entire team of customer service people, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's easy to kind of joke about, um, that are in a different country, you know, and, and it, let's, let's be honest, there are a lot of positives to doing something like that. You know, we, we joke about, oh my gosh, you know, you get the customer service person who doesn't speak English, but, you know, you also can get customer service people who are phenomenal, and are in other countries, um, you know, or even other states, you know, and, and, and depending on your type of business, having people that are 24-7 type of workers, all of those various things. And that, again, is something that's very confusing for people. You know, what type of benefits do you have to, do you even have to provide benefits? And, and you know, somebody like me is going, oh, okay. Um, you know, and, and so knowing that there's resources out there like yours is is just incredible. Yeah, and and I think this is one of the things that, that's going to change sort of the future of work mm-hmm. for the better. You saw within the technology community probably like seven or eight years ago, mm-hmm. a lot of companies in Silicon Valley and Boston and New York were just like, man, we're spending so much money on talent. It's just, it's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. And so they started going to Denver and Austin mm-hmm. and... Right. It really transformed a lot of these mm-hmm. cities. And now you're seeing a new generation of companies that are basically starting off as remote. And this is for anybody in the organization, right? It's anybody from customer service, mm-hmm. entry level person, all the way through the director of product right. management. And they've figured out the ways for people mm-hmm. to work asynchronously uh, across the globe, mm-hmm. which you know, if, if you live in a, in a place where you're traditionally had very full employment and you know, maybe this is a competitor to you having mm-hmm. a job, but realistically, I think the economy, once it gets humming again, is going to go back to that, like, right. you know, 3% unemployment mm-hmm. where people are fighting over talent and there's right. inflation and there's all these sorts of risks. And so I think for the most part, that's, that's a great thing. And again, it comes down to then, you know, what are the tools? How do we manage this sounds so stupid, but like international background checks, right? right? Most oh, yeah. And, and do you even have to? I mean, <laughs> right. what's the legal implication for it? What are the 
ethical implications. You know, if, let's say, you know, I don't know, you hire somebody who lives in Amsterdam um, where a lot of drugs are legal, right? Like, do you right. run a drug mm-hmm. screen on that person? Like, mm-hmm. there's, there's all sorts of, like, mm-hmm. things. And, and so, again, it's, like, the tools. And then, like, mm-hmm. how do you actually implement the tools and, mm-hmm. and what's the philosophy right. behind that implementation that's really, really important um, that we're trying to get the best nuggets from the smartest people around the world and aggregate them into these guides. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it, it's funny. You mentioned companies that are, are, you know, setting up remote locations. Years ago, I worked for a company in Denver and we moved our call center to Minot, North Dakota. Okay. And, you know, people are like, oh my gosh, why Minot? Well, for several reasons. First of all, cost of living was much less there. More importantly, there's a military base there. Mm. And so there were people who were there for several years who wanted to work, you know, and, and, you know, and, and it was perfect because again, it was less expensive, but these were people who had college degrees, who, um, you know, they were the spouses of someone who was stationed there and, you know, or, or, you know, uh, uh, support services, things like that. And, and it was, it was perfect. I mean, you know, it was, it was, and, and that I think is what we see is when companies are setting up a remote location, it's not that they're, you know, yes, there are times where they are obviously going outside the United States, but there are also times where they're thinking, Hey, you know what, this, this might be good here. Yeah, without a doubt. And there are so many specialized, uh, talent profiles out there now that are essential to different types of companies where there just aren't enough people in a given country to satisfy the demand. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing, you know, obviously there's a lot of controversy about like the H1B visa Mm -hmm. program and and sort of like revamping that and and whatever. Um, And just sort of anecdotally, there's a lot of, you know, friends of mine who are hiring for, you know, some weird data scientist specialty or cybersecurity or whatever. And like, there's, there's like 15 people in the U S they all make an insane right. amount of money. Oh cause yeah. Cause there's so just right. 15 people. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and mm-hmm. so it's like, Hey, but there's this guy who lives in Budapest mm-hmm. who does this and, right. and he's making 60 K a year, you know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah. and you're like, Whoa, this, he's, he's, he's a good guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and so now like, you don't need to uproot that person. Like that person can join your team. And if you have the right tools, you have the right protocols and, mm-hmm. and you work as if they were down the office and, mm-hmm. and with the same amount of productivity and right. collegial, you right. know, collegiality, yeah. whatever the word is. And, and again, it comes back to communication where you tell them, okay, you know, we know you're off in Timbuktu, but every Monday morning at 9 a.m. our time, yeah. we have a meeting that yeah. you need to participate in. Okay, that might be 3 a.m. for them or something like that. But if they know, okay, you know, part of my job is that I have to be part of this meeting, then they're cool with it. Um, you know, and, yeah. and so it's, it, it is, it comes back to really communicating with the folks you've got. And, and the same thing with within an office. You know, you've got all these, you, you still have to tell people there, you know what, this nine o'clock meeting is required. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you might now be working from home five days a week, but you need to be in for that meeting once a month or, or whatever it is. Yeah. Or, and, and a lot of this stuff can be done asynchronously mm-hmm. as well over, you know, something like Slack right. 
Mm -hmm. uh, where you might have traditionally a, a product team might have like mm -hmm. a early morning stand up where everybody sort of like runs through like what mm -hmm. they're doing. Right, right. Now mm -hmm. you can do that just in a group chat and, mm -hmm. and maybe somebody does that 12 hours later than another person, mm -hmm. but it's all good as long as sort of that, that box is, mm -hmm. is checked. Right. So. You know, and you can do things now with recording things. So maybe it's a training session, um, you know, and so you record it. Well, then there are ways now to track, you know, okay, did X, you know, person actually watch it? You know, and, and, and I mean, we've been doing that for years where we've had to, you know, do online training and, and things like that. But, but now it's even more important because, you know, you, we do need to make sure that, you know, okay, well, we had this new employee orientation and did all of the, the people participate for the full hour. <laughs> you know, and, and, and of course, we're still having to take it on faith. You know, because, you know, unless somebody's looking at a camera and making sure that that person is sitting there for that full hour watching the training, we're still having to think, okay, you know, Deb logged in at this point. She answered a question at this point and she logged out at this point. So it seems like she was there. We're going to assume that it was Deb. Um, you know, I've been talking with um, people who are now having to have their kids at home. And I said, how, are, how in the heck do they handle tests and, and things like that? How do you know that, you know, little, little Sue was the person who took that test? Right. And, you know, and they said, well, you know, there are some ways, obviously, but, but a lot of it does come down to faith and, and, um, and, and trusting people. And let's be honest, you have to do that in companies anyway. You know, you're trusting that, that your employees aren't stealing from you, you know, all these various things. And so that is part of the whole background check, you know, all of those other things. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is uh, something I've thought about a little bit, which is like, how do you sort of ensure that your employees are, are getting the work done? And I think there's like two sort of major philosophies with this. And one is uh, this sort of off paternalistic sort of, hey, we're going to install spyware mm -hmm. on a computer and I'm like count your keystrokes. Uh -huh. Yeah, there's enough activity. And there, there was a big expose in Bloomberg about that a week or so ago about companies doing that. And I think that, you know, creates a very toxic culture. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't want to work there. I mean, even no. doing the work and, and you know, it'd be like, they clearly don't trust me. Yeah. And it's, it's just going to like, I'm a big believer in, in culture is actually pretty important for productivity and, and you know, obviously for happiness and things mm -hmm. like that. But, um, and, and the, the other is just like, Hey, can you create a culture where people can celebrate the wins mm -hmm. where everybody's sort of proud of the work that they're doing, where there is some sort of like somewhat auditable trail of like, Hey, you're supposed to do X, Y, Z. Um, and you're actually doing it sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that might come out of this is, you know, the, the sort of focus on output versus hours mm -hmm. um, might become really important because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, like you might all of a sudden think, wow, that, that person who's always here and always, you know, cheerful mm -hmm. and blah, 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 actually don't do anything. Right. Know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, and they're, they're, they're the office busybody. Exactly. Yeah. And they, they actually never get anything done, right? Like they're very good at playing the politics game. Right. They're, they're good at um, kind of sucking up, but at the end of the day, like they're not really doing their job and, and maybe vice versa, right? There's that mm -hmm. person who's sort of the curmudgeon who mm -hmm. is more quiet and introverted, but it's like, whoa, like, 
when you when you don't see the person and you mm-hmm. just see the work, mm-hmm. you are so much more appreciative of right. that person. And then it's like, okay, like why? Like what are they doing that's mm-hmm. so effective? Mm-hmm. Like why are why are they? And when you just look at the numbers, it sort of just gives you this different lens mm-hmm. that right. potentially lets you mm-hmm. see things more objectively. Right. Yeah, because you have people that you know you've got task A, they can do it in four hours, and somebody else it takes six, and somebody else it might take ten. Then you need to decide. Okay, you know, is is that acceptable? Um, you know, and and is it more important that the job gets done, or are we counting hours? And and that that truly is an HR thing because that could you know that could change somebody's part time full time status, you know, mm-hmm. all sorts of things like that. And so that's where this is is a challenge. But I I love it because we are you know pandemic aside, we are taking more and more into account actual people, you know, I, I mentioned, you know, how do they communicate? Do they like texting? Do they like emailing? Do they like, you know, all these various things, you know, are they really more productive at night as opposed to in the morning? Yeah. It, it comes back to, does the job get done? Um, you know, and, and that's the important thing. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it, it also probably will give insights into individual workers that, perhaps realize the value that they can bring an organization, the value that they can capture from Mm -hmm. the value that they're bringing Mm -hmm. is much greater than they previously thought. Um, Got a couple friends who in the last couple years have sort of gone off and done their own mini consulting firms Mm -hmm. because they just realized that, you know, the work that I do in 20 hours is the work that my colleagues do in 50 or 60 hours. And if I can charge by the hour, Mm -hmm. Um, or I can charge per project mm-hmm. and I can charge at the same rate that they're paying the, the internal folks. Mm-hmm. I can make a lot more money. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's, you know, some friends of mine who, who do these consulting projects and their, their effective hourly rate mm-hmm. is four or $500 an hour. Right. And it's because they're basically like, Hey, I'll, I'll do this project and I'll mm-hmm. charge you $30,000 for it. And the company says, wow, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. How could you ever do this? And it for 30 grand, we would have to have two people working mm-hmm. on this for six months and it would cost us, you know, mm-hmm. 80 grand or whatever. Um, and they're like, Hey, yeah, don't worry about it. And they're just mm-hmm. super effective. Mm-hmm. And so they can basically capture that, um, that economic value in a better way. And, and I think there's probably going to be a lot of people that mm-hmm. realized that they're, they have some more worth right. uh, and, and sort of start to mm-hmm. rethink their Career paths. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, one of the things you mentioned are some of the, the other legal things that people have to deal with, especially when we are dealing with people in different states. You mentioned, you know, drug testing. I'm from Colorado. <laughs> now I don't live there now, but you know, I, I do keep tabs on on things and and you know and medical marijuana and recreational marijuana is clearly something that is is you know gonna be a hot button. For, for several years to come. And, you know, a one-person shop like me, or, you know, you don't have very many places, that's very difficult to keep track of. Um, I have a, a family member who works on uh, a Native American reservation mm. where they don't allow any type of drug use. And, it, it, you know, and, and so they'll, you know, they'll fail the tests and, and, you know, they're told, well, we're sorry. And they're like, but we, we live in X state. And they say, yeah. no, that, you know, you, where you work is, you know, is, is different, um, you know, and, and so knowing all of that 
that's where, you know, as, as we were saying, software, you know, like the, the companies that you work with is invaluable because we don't know these things. We can't keep track of these things. Some of them are changing, you know, yearly as, as you know, legislative sessions go in and out. And, and then, of course, you, you toss in federal laws and, and we can't keep up. You know, we have to rely on software. And, you know, you mentioned 400. I mean, yeah, oh, you know, I, I can't keep track of, of what I'm supposed to be doing, let alone try to figure out all the software that, that could be tracking it. But just knowing it's out there, that's an invaluable resource. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, the background check, which is such like a, a teeny tiny part of any employee life cycle, right, right. Um, is an enormously complex mm-hmm. thing that is always changing what you have to do for certain roles. Right. You know, you think about truck drivers mm-hmm. or whatever, what you can't mm-hmm. do for others, mm-hmm. what, what maybe you shouldn't do. Um, it's, it's really, really complicated. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's why it makes sense to do the work to figure out who's a vendor we can partner with, mm-hmm. who's going to help basically right. outsource this stuff because we don't have time mm-hmm. to go and, and do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you think about benefits, like, you know, what benefits should we be offering to who, right. how much what benefits we do we have to offer? What do we have to offer? Mm-hmm. How do we negotiate for stuff like that? What mm-hmm. should we be paying? Like that's, that's several full-time employees. Mm-hmm. And if you've got a, even if you've got a 500 person company, um, you, you, you're not going to want to devote the resources. Oh. That's, that's crazy. And so you need to go find a benefits provider and it's like, all right, well, there's, 700 of them mm-hmm. in the United States. Um, which, which of these do I actually want to look at? Mm-hmm. Uh, that could take somebody uh, six months to a year just mm-hmm. to do it the right way. And, and that's why, you know, we're basically doing the six months to a year research mm-hmm. and hopefully helping people mm-hmm. circumvent that and, and make the right decision faster. Right, right. And again, you know, it, it, what you do is you, you help people try and figure all this stuff out because there is just so much. And, and it's like I was saying at the very start of the program, I had no clue. I really had no clue. I, and now I know that I don't want to be an HR person I don't want to, you know, because it is very complicated. Um, but you know, it, it is, it's something that is, is extremely complicated. And if that's, whether it's your full-time job, that that's all you do for a company, or if you just have to handle it, you know, on, on an as needed basis, it can get extremely overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And I also, for the record, would not want to be an HR person. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a hard job. And most companies do not appreciate the, their HR team. No. It's like, you know, what, what are the fewest amount of employees that we can have in HR and still mm-hmm. do the job because it's, it's a, it's a cost center, right? It's right. not driving us revenue. It's mm-hmm. not building a product. Um, which is sort of like a very old world way of thinking about it. And, th- right. and there are companies because like, if you don't hire the right people, it, it nothing's really going to get done. <laughs> you know? So your HR people are absolutely critical. Right. And you, you keep them happy, you retain them, you get them to refer their friends. Like the difference between a, a good HR team uh, and, a, and an excellent one that you might find at like McKinsey or Google or mm-hmm. Goldman Sachs is a massive world of difference. And there's a reason why those best companies, like I I don't think anybody would disagree that Google is one of the best run companies in the world. Mm -hmm. There's a reason that from the get go, Mm -hmm. these folks were investing heavily into human resources and Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and then the HR people 
are considered to be a critical, as, as we've been saying, a critical portion. Um, you know, when I worked in corporate America, um, you know, the, the HR people, the, the whole department bounced from who they reported to. You know, and, and, you know, and, and sometimes as, you know, I was the head of corporate communications, sometimes I reported to HR, sometimes I didn't. I mean, you know, it was one of these weird things where we never knew. It was really funny when we actually were, were um, laying people off, we didn't know who should sign my paperwork. Because we didn't know who I reported to. You know, I'm the head of corporate communications, but nobody knew. So we ended up just going up to the CEO and, and he signed off on it. But, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that is absolutely critical that is too often an afterthought. Yeah, unfortunately. And, and that impacts employees' lives. Mm-hmm. And it, I think, you know, the thing that people should really pay attention to is it impacts the business in a huge way. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like some very simple math that, you know, you retain people slightly longer, you get them to refer slightly more mm-hmm. employees, you get them in the door slightly faster, ramped up slightly faster. Like mm-hmm. if you do these things like a little bit better, mm-hmm. it results in massive right. revenue increases mm-hmm. and profit savings, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And if you do a really good job, then you're going to see outsized mm-hmm. returns. And, and that's why, you know, sometimes you're seeing like really, really senior, amazing business leaders who are transitioning into these like chief people officer, CHRO mm-hmm. type roles, um, because a couple, you know, some small percentage of companies, and it's probably less than 5% are realizing how important mm-hmm. that function is within the rest of the organization. Right. right. You know, and, and I'm going to make a big assumption here. I could be completely wrong, but I think as we come out of the pandemic, people are really going to realize just how important a lot of this is because there will be employees that they're going to think, nah, we really don't need them anymore. But more importantly, they're going to, they're really going to have to ramp back up. You know, we've, they've, they've had to furlough quite a few people, um, you know, when, and uh, whether they wanted to or not, they had to, I mean, this was just, you know, they, they had to furlough. So now what do you do? You know, do you automatically bring people back or do they have to go through the whole process again? And, and um, you know, and, and so I, Oh, I can just tell right now, every HR person in the United States is going, <laughs> you know, yeah. they're thinking this is, is going to be quite the challenge, um, you know, and, and so they'll be coming to companies like yours. So tell us a little bit again more about what it is that you do and how you work with companies. Yeah. So we, we just do a ton of research at Select Software Reviews about, you know, what, who are the best vendors in a given yeah. category of HR software? Mm-hmm. How do you buy the software? What questions should you ask on demos? How do you think about return on investment, budgeting, pricing, all that stuff? Mm-hmm. How do you negotiate contracts? And then after you actually implement it, like how do you implement it correctly and what are the best practices for using it in an effective manner? Uh, and so we do all this research and we put it together into actionable guides that are pretty easy to digest. Mm-hmm. It's video, it's you know, it's spreadsheets, it's, it's text. And it's all for free. So it's just out there on the internet. Uh, we have an advertising model where we make enough money to sort of keep the lights on. And so we just want to be sort of a, a great trusted resource for the HR and recruiting teams out there who are trying to figure this stuff out and don't have a dedicated procurement person who's just going to help them run a massive RFP on what applicant tracking mm-hmm. systems buy. Mm-hmm. Right. And again, that's selectsoftwarereviews.com. But if people want to reach out to you and connect with you directly, how do they do that? 
Uh, yeah, I think the best way to get in contact with me is on LinkedIn. Okay. There aren't too many Phil Strazulas out there, so I'm pretty easy to find. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Perfect. I love it. Well, you know, this, this really has been very informative because, you know, as I said, I know nothing about any of this. And so to me, it's fascinating. And to think, oh my gosh, there's so much, so many resources out there, you know, that, that can get overwhelming, you know, and, and that's the big thing is it's not that you're picking between five different types of software. You're picking between hundreds of different types of software. And so of course the big thing is people just go, and eh, we're not going to do it at all. Yeah. Um, so that's where it's great to have a resource like your company to, to go to, to say, okay, th- this is our company. This is what we do now. What, um, you know, and, and to be able to, to do that. So Phil, do you have any final words of wisdom for everyone? Um, I think in general, uh, the, the best thing to do is when, when you're looking at sort of HR software is just to sort of, and, and any of these sort of decisions is understand what, what are the assumptions I'm making here and, and what's the value at the end of the day? And if you can sort of map that out, maybe it's a spreadsheet model, maybe it's just sort of a document this is how I make a lot of decisions in my life. Like you're, you're just going to have a better outcome. And then what's really cool is if you actually document it six, 12, 18 months later, you can go back and you can look at why did I make this decision? What was I right about? What was I wrong about? And that will continue to evolve your ability to make decisions, whether it's about, you know, HR software, a job to take or to move, you know, whatever the case mm-hmm. may be. Right. I love it. I love it. Well, again, you can find information on Phil's company at selectsoftwarereviews.com. I'm Deb Creer. I've been having a fascinating discussion with Phil Strazula. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Tune in for our next program for even more trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. The Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer, is proud to be part of the C-Suite Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.